I'm Michael Malley, and this is The Mindful Storyteller, where the subject always is stories. Storytelling, story reading, story listening, mindfulness, and the creation of the story space. Storyteller, and I'm Michael R. Malley. And I'm Oliver Erickson Malley. And today we'll be talking about story in the context of history, how story uh, connects us to the past. Uh, we're talking about books and literature with that, and also just sitting around the table talking with elders. Uh, we'll begin with a quote from. Charlotte Bronte from her Victorian novel, Jane Eyre, that Ollie will read. And then I'll have my blog reading reflection, and you can find that online as well. After that, we'll have our discussion, and then Ollie will have a few closing thoughts, a few closing words. And as always on The Mindful Storyteller, we have the singing bowl, the Tibetan singing bowl, and it provides us with an invitation an invitation to join an, an invitation to enjoy the sound of the bell mindfully in this present moment the ground was hard the air was still my road was lonely i walked fast till i got warm and then i walked slowly to enjoy and analyze a species of pleasure brooding for me in the hour and situation. It was three o'clock. The church bell tolled as I passed under the belfry. The charm of the hour lay in its approaching dimness. In the low gliding and pale beaming sun, I was a mile from Thornfield in a lane noted for wild roses in summer, for nuts and blackberries in autumn, and even now possessing a few coral treasures in hips and haws, but whose best winter delight lay in its utter solitude and leafless repose. If a breath of air stirred, it made no sound here. There was not a holly, not an evergreen to rustle, and the stripped hawthorn and hazel bushes were as still as the white-worn stones which causewayed the middle of the path. Far and wide on each side, there were only fields where no cattle now browsed, and the little brown birds, which stirred occasionally in the hedge, looked like single russet leaves that had forgotten to drop. Charlotte Bronte, Jane Eyre, Chapter 12. Story communicates across centuries, across the bounds of life and death. Read a chapter of Jane Eyre and you are thrown across 170 years or more, 
into the imagination of a young woman of the 1840s. There is no one with whom you may sit and hear a first-hand account of life in the 1840s. You cannot sit and laugh or cry or sip tea with one person who breathed the air and walked the earth from 1840 to 1849. They have died. Their children have died. Their pets have died. Their horses, their cows, their oxen. The squirrels and monkeys and elephants and gazelles and lizards that roamed this planet in the 1840s, all gone. The little brown birds, like single russet leaves, every one of them, gone. When I first read Jane Eyre, I was thrown across just 140 years, not 170. 30 years have flashed past in an instant. And by the time you read these words, the year 2019 may be a distant memory, as will I and our pet dog lying at my feet and the cherry tree swaying outside this window. We will all be gone, the tree, the dog, the writer. My mother was born in 1929. Her elder sister, my Aunt Eleanor, was born in 1921. They are the two remaining of the seven siblings who lived to adulthood. Our 12-year-old son, Finian, listens to their laughter, hears stories of their childhoods and young adult years, sits at table with them, and sips tea. If all goes well, Finian will be my current age in 2063. At that point, there will be no one who breathed the air and walked the earth from 1920 to 1929. One would have to be thrown across 140 years to reach them. Embrace the magic of being able to travel across the centuries through the written word. What a gift we give ourselves when we sit down with a Bronte novel. We can sit and laugh and cry and sip tea and listen to the words and images, the dreams and fears, the reflections and hopes shared with us by Miss Charlotte Bronte as she tells her Jane Eyre story from the, from the 1840s. And Finian and I can sit with his Nana and great aunt, sipping tea and listening to the words and images, the dreams and fears, the reflections and hopes of the 1920s and 30s and 40s and beyond. Storing away these tales in our minds, continuing a tradition that even predates the written word, the oral tradition, of listening, remembering, and resharing the tales. I think it's such a blessing in our modern world where we're so often uh, sitting in front of a screen <laughs> or inside to go back to these um, stories where people lived in such different ways. Um, and just to be able to go, really go into them. I think I've talked before, I love Anne of Green Gables. 
Mm-hmm. That was one of those that, I mean, I even right now, I haven't read it for, I don't know, 10 years now, but um, I can see the pathway leading to this house, the house that she lived in and her coming there and the horses and it was such strong imagery and such a different life than any, almost anybody is li- living right now. Um, and being able to go there. Um, At least anybody just, in the modern world, right? Anybody in the modern world, yeah. Um, it's just such a special experience and obviously it still resonates inside me years and years later. Um, just that feeling of what life was like. Yeah, I, I, I think of sometimes like um, you and I, we go in and out of this habit of walking the dogs and sometimes um, um, if it's winter or you know even a cold night in you know fall or spring, we might be hesitant to get out there and walk the dogs and mm-hmm. and Typically, once you get out there and you start moving, mm-hmm. we're comfortable. I mean, I, I, we do that a lot when we're up visiting my mom, and sometimes it's a snowy evening, and you know, you see the snow falling down in the moonlight or with the street lamps, and you know, you're out there with the dogs, and it's just amazing. And I'm thinking here of even um, Charlotte Bronte's writing, you know. I walk fast till I got warm, and then I walk slowly to enjoy. Mm. Like, that is a person whose body is connected to the natural world. How do I relate to this world? And, you know, obviously she has such an artist's vision and, 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 and such a poet's way with her words, but she also is an embodied human being. And and that's something. She's writing in the 1840s. I. I think the story, it's been a while since I've read it, I think the story takes place maybe in the 1820s or something, but she's mm-hmm. writing in the 1840s. And and that alone, just right there, I mean, her writing is very autobiographical, but even if it wasn't that, that much, right there, that's something that comes out of her experience, right? Right. right. You know. We, know, we, we do know that those Bronte sisters love the moors and love to be out <laughs> outside and out of doors. So, yeah, yeah. Right. Well, I'm thinking of some other books, too, that really have set um, deeply with me. Um, the Grapes of Wrath, which I don't know when that was written. It was written about the 1830s, mm-hmm. yeah. about the Great yeah. Depression. But yeah, I, it, 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 was written, back, right? it was written back in the 1950s, maybe. I'm thinking... I'm not sure it was written that. I, we, we, we could check that out very easily. But to take you back to hard times, too, like, and that that is so um, bringing you to that time of desperation mm-hmm. in America and, it, and, it, um, and the land being kind of decimated and you really, in the desperation of the family, um, can really feel that. I think some other, you know, other, I mean, I love that, like, being able to go back in time and, like, hard times, like, um, there's some books about World War II, Number of the Stars, but again, that's a historical fiction, so you're not, it's kind of different, it would be different than, but is that person was, I don't, 
I don't know the person that wrote that. No, I mean, but, but, but I think you're touching upon something important that really I, I didn't touch on here is that we have authors who are also working at bringing us to those places. Mm-hmm. You know, the best of them have done their homework in a way that we never can or will. Right. Um, and, and through those stories, they're trying to give us some sense of that other time, which is right. in itself just an amazing thing, right? I mean, right. To, 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 to get some feel across space and time, I mean, that's part of what the written word is giving us through story. Right, right. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking about, well, these books were written them back, um, Uncle Tom's Cabin, mm-hmm. which I read with a group of teens. Um, and, you know, I, I think we criticized, written by a white woman, and I think there's some criticism, but she was back there in that time, and mm-hmm. she was trying to make a point of mm-hmm. what was happening. Uh, we also read then the life of Frederick Douglass, which is his autobiography of what was happening, yeah. and to be able to be powerfully back in that time in history and hear from those voices mm-hmm. was so powerful for me and this group of teens that I was reading both of those with, yeah. um, to, like unima- kind of unimaginable. Um, what was happening. Yeah, and, and, and just that whole thing of the, um, you know, like I mentioned here, you know, it's now, you know, 170 plus years since, since Jane Eyre. When I first read it, it was 140 years. Right. I mean, and, and then thinking of Finn sitting with his aunt and, 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 and his grandma hearing these stories, and when he's my age, those stories will be from 140 years ago. It'll be like, you know, it, it, it'll, be, it'll be like his secondhand account of, of kind of the Jane Eyre kind of story. Right. I mean, which is just incredible. It's incredible. Um, um, you know, I, I, was, I was reflecting, reflecting you know, a, again, kind of using our, 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 our son who's currently 12. Um, you know, I think of World War II. You know, I grew up uncles and aunts and you know that's the you know that's the era they grew up in that that was the the you know my mom will speak of you know every young man on the street in uniform you know in in youngstown downtown that that's the world that they grew up in well finian's hearing about this he's hearing about world war ii Mm -hmm. i just did the math when my dad was 12, the Civil War was near in time for my dad. Then World War II is for our son. Like, that's just crazy to me. You know, I mean, and and again, like the speed with which everything changes. And so, you know, Ken Burns did a series on World War II called The War. And he said, I've got to, um, I'm, I'm doing these interviews with these men. And this came out maybe 10, 15 years ago. And the men are dying. Right. Right? I, I've got to get the stories mm-hmm. before they're gone. You know, the first-hand stories, the first-hand accounts. So, my gosh... You know, with books, with stories, it is such an opportunity 
to to do something that you know I, I have great respect across the kind of the the other earth beings you know the you know I mentioned here the birds or the dogs or the um, you know even the plants but we humans we have this this special gift of being able to almost touch hmm. to almost touch some other space some other time yeah right well, I know we we've tried to capture it a bit um, in our lives together that we will sit there with your mom or with my 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 pappy, who passed away 20 years ago, but he was born in like 1912, and my 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 bus grandma, who was born even before then, and we'll put we'll, we'll bring out the voice recorder sometimes subtly, so they don't know that we're taping them because then they usually get um, self-conscious. Um, we still do it with your mom. I, I was musing with my mom who's 77, um, just yesterday, about her mom. Back in the 1990s, you and I sat down with her, and she was in her late 80s at that point. Yeah, she this came, is with your grandmother. This is my grandmother, so my yeah. mom's mom. Um, and we took video of her and had her tell her stories. Uh, she has a lot of descendants. <laughs> and so well, those videos are someplace, and I was musing with my mom because our son is now able to take those videos and transfer them into a digital form because they've been sitting in a drawer <laughs> and um we may not be the only ones with that's with that's why i'm mentioning this we might be the only one drawer, that, that it's right? getting i think it's a little bit easier right now i don't know our son just say he was able to do it um, we haven't transferred those yet but i was talking to my mom about the possibility that we can transfer those now mm -hmm. so we have these stories from her mom who died 20 years ago about stories of her, her and of her parents Back in the 1800s, right. going on covered wagon, uh, my grandpa was a, a minister going on covered wagon around Nebraska and Kansas, and yeah. um, so a we have preacher. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> so we have those stories uh, that have been saved, and maybe we can bring them back to life for those descendants that are absolutely that are here. And she was very excited about that possibility. Yeah, and 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 part of what we have to do too is. The recording is awesome, but we have to create the space mm. to listen. We have to create the space to be able to sit at the table with those elders. And, you know, we sit down, we plop ourselves down in front of the television, mm -hmm. how many nights a week. And, you know, if you don't have it on the bookshelf, for a couple of bucks on Amazon or at your local bookstore, you can go and you can get this beautifully written mm -hmm. literature. Wonderful stories, people who were able to be just artists with words. Right. And just the art of their of their words. You know, um the, the you can you can take that in. You can touch the 1840s with Jane Eyre or you know with another book you know you, you, you can touch these pastimes you can you know Frederick Douglass's words you can you can touch them you can touch those times what a gift 
It is such a gift, yes. And, and part of it is making it a habit to read, too. To, like it's, it's t sitting down and watching, which there's a lot of good things you can watch, too. Sure. But, but it is um, easy, <laughs> you know? And, and reading is, it, 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 sometimes it just takes a little bit uh, more, more perseverance or like, I'm going to do this. I mean, it's kind of like going out for a walk. <laughs> like oh, it's exactly. a, like we, it, it takes us, you know, especially when it's cold or it, it takes us a little bit to get on that walk and to go enjoy. Mm -hmm. uh, but when we're there, we love it. And I, there's at least something for me, there's the same thing about books sometimes. I got when I have the book there and I've got to put the time and once I start getting into it, then I love it and I don't want to put it down. But there's some, there is something to get over sometimes. There is some sort of push through. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, you know, I sound like the old man here, but we, we tend to go with what's easy. Right. We tend not to push through and we're missing a lot because of that. Yeah. I'm recalling a story. I think it might've been in, um, um, Bo Lozoff's book, It's a Meaningful Life, It Just Takes Practice, where he tells a story of um, this beautiful mountain uh, lookout where you can you know, just see below. And they now have built a, um, a road up the mountain and there's a parking lot up there. And you can, you can drive up, park your car, get out, and get the view. Or you can hike. And if you hike those hours up, mm -hmm. that experience of getting to the summit is a different one. And it's one where there's a deeper appreciation, right? So there's something about doing the work of okay, it's a little cold outside, or yeah, I'm going to read through and some of these words are kind of challenging or whatever, and or I'm not used to this. And that even increases, I think, the experience. You know, the, like you do a little bit of that, you know, work. And, and maybe it's because, you know, people are working so hard in their lives mm -hmm. and so much of that hard work is, you know, by people's own self-reporting, it's, 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 mundane or it's you know monotonous or it's it, it doesn't hold meaning for them or there's you know it's just it's there's such a you know there's a lot of superficiality they have to deal with in their work or, or maybe it's important work and it's so exhausting mm -hmm. um so that maybe people want that ease but gosh i just want to we just want to put that invitation out there to to touch other times yes you know um when when other point I, I would make is our son who uh, just finished his first year of college he and his friends they were all they all shared with each other uh, you know what's a couple of your favorite all-time books mm -hmm. and his one friend started to read from this one book and the flowery language and everything it sounded like a book written in the 1800s I, I, unfortunately I don't remember the title of it but it turned out it was a book just written a couple of years ago but it was a French book. Oh. 
and it was translated into English. And so it sounds like perhaps something like Charlotte Bronte's writing because evidently in other countries there are a lot of people who are still using that that rich language and and a, a friend of mine you know said to me once he was watch it was actually watching a program and there was a lot of that that language and there was a critique maybe you know maybe in the New York Times where were like oh you know all this flowery language in this particular particular documentary or whatever and my friend just paused and he says you know flowery language he says what's wrong with a few flowers what's wrong with occasionally getting a bouquet <laughs> and enjoying the aroma of the bouquet so I think enjoy the aromas of the bouquets I'm picturing flowers in vases in old homes in the 1920s or the 1890s enjoy the aroma mm -hmm. of other times right. and when you do it's at least for me it sticks with me <laughs> yeah. like I, I those experiences when I'm reading a book they stay with me they're here they're part of me now those other times yeah yeah our dogs and cats can't do this we humans, we have this ability to touch other places, other times. And the vehicle to travel through that. We don't need a, uh, you know, we don't need some sort of fantastic time machine. The vehicle is story. We can travel across space and time. Are there old books and literature that intrigue you or touch your soul? If not, ask a friend for some recommendations. Find an old story and read it, whether it be a novel, short story, biography, travelogue. And each time, before you begin reading, note the year it was written. Reflect on the incredible fact that you are about to be thrown across decades or centuries. Enjoy the journey. In this piece, we mentioned Finian's grandmother and great aunt Eleanor as two elders in our family. Who are the older people among your family or friends who offer stories of places and times that are no more. You can even seek out such a person in a local retirement community or nursing home. Finding the right person for you and going there is not just out of kindness or in service to others, though that is wonderful, but also going in search of places and times that are now gone. Opening yourself to that which will soon be beyond the first-hand memory of any living being. Seeking stories that can pass across decades, centuries, and lifetimes.
I'm Michael Malley, and you've been listening to the Mindful Storyteller.